Today we're looking back before we move forward. We're going to look at a highlight reel of the Old Testament as we prepare for the coming King. You're listening to The Bible Brief. Since we can't go through the whole Old Testament in 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to focus on the narrative themes that the story highlights that will launch us into the New Testament. These are the themes that we'll focus on today. First, God's dominion and sovereignty. Second, the temple, priests, and sacrifices. Third, that faith is the key to righteousness. And four, the coming Messiah. So let's start with our first theme, God's dominion and sovereignty. Beginning way back on the first page of the Bible, we saw God create the whole universe and the earth and everything in it. We saw him create the plants and animals, and we saw him create mankind. And soon, after creating the man and the woman, he gave them dominion over the earth. He granted them some subordinate sovereignty. With God's blessing, they would rule over the plants and the animals in the land. Just in these first few pages of the Bible, we discover a truth that has a profound influence on the rest of the Bible. God, the creator of the universe, has rights over his creation. He can do what he wants, whenever he wants. This is God's sovereignty. His authority and his ability to do what he wants, when he wants, with what he has created. And through the story, we see God exercise his sovereignty. After the fall of man in the garden and the subsequent generations, we see God flood the earth in judgment on the sin of mankind. We also see him confuse the languages of people building the ancient tower in the city of Babylon. And in a more positive development, we see God call the pagan man Abraham and express some great promises to him. Those promises of the Abrahamic covenant, the land of Canaan, the mini seed, and the blessing to all the nations of the world to be accomplished through one particular seed. After that, we see God continue to choose through whom his promise would be accomplished. It would be through Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. God's sovereignty means that God can do what He wants, when He wants, choose what He wants, when He wants, and act in history to accomplish His purposes, especially His purpose, to bless all the nations of the world. We get an even closer view of God's sovereignty as He expresses His rule of the nation of Israel. Over 400 years after Abraham, He gives the now populous nation of Israel a law, a law given by God through Moses that, if followed, will ensure blessing in the land of Canaan, and if disobeyed, will ensure cursing and expulsion from the land. And we get a preview of what's to come with the people complaining in the wilderness even though God is leading them. Years later, this disobedience of the people continues, where after conquering much of the land through the leadership of Joshua and the judges, the people eventually reject God as king over them. They instead demand that human kings rule over them, And God sovereignly decides to give the people what they want. God again grants subordinate sovereignty to the kings of Israel. And eventually grants more promises to the king David, the man after God's own heart. God promises to David a throne, a dynasty, and an everlasting kingdom. A promise that will be realized through the future seed of David who follows God in righteousness. And yet, by the end of the period of the kings in the divided kingdom... We've seen the failure of the human kings of Israel, and David's seed had not yet come. The people demanded that human kings be given sovereignty, 
and God gave them their request, a request that ultimately ends in disobedience to the law and expulsion from the land. Yet, lest the nations think that Israel was exiled from the land because of the weakness of God, God vindicates his power and his sovereignty by showing the kings of Babylon and Persia that God indeed has dominion and sovereignty over all things and over all other rulers. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, says this about God, His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. God doesn't want us to miss, through the whole Old Testament, that despite the disobedience and misuse of subordinate sovereignty by humans and human rulers, God still retains total sovereignty over all things. He can choose to do what he wants, whenever he wants, over his creation. The second theme we should explore is part of the law that God gave the nation in the wilderness. We're calling this theme the temple, the sacrifices, and the priests. If you remember, God had told the Israelites to build a tent for God in the wilderness, the place where God would make his presence known on the earth. It was a tent called the tabernacle that would be the center of worship for the people as they followed God in the wilderness and later in the land of Canaan. This was the place specifically designed to remind people of the Garden of Eden, showing that God was the way back to the Garden. And remember, as part of worship in this tent, the nation was commanded to do ritual sacrifices throughout the year. They were especially to do sacrifices for an atonement covering for their sins, where the death of an animal would be a substitute for their own death, death being the penalty for sin announced way back in the Garden of Eden. The animal would die, and its blood would cover over the sins of the people so that God would pass over them in judgment for their sins. But remember, this covering was only for sins committed since they last made a sacrifice. They had to make these sacrifices over and over to continue covering their continual sins. This sacrificial system that God gave the nation allowed them to draw near to God in relationship and to maintain their end of the covenant that God made with them at Mount Sinai. They were to follow the law, and God would bless them in their obedience. And there's one thing to note here. Remember, the ones who actually performed the sacrifices had to be from a particular tribe in Israel. Remember those 12 tribes that descended from the 12 sons of Jacob? Well, the tribe of Levi was the tribe responsible for all these sacrificial functions at the tabernacle, and later in the temple built by Solomon in Jerusalem. This temple and sacrifices and priests These were central to the religious life and to the covenant-keeping function of the nation of Israel. Much of the narrative centers around either disobedience or obedience to these laws. Perhaps the greatest example of this is the destruction of the temple with the expulsion of the people from the land of Canaan. They had forgotten the law, and in doing so, God removed the temple, the sacrifices, and the priestly duties. Fellowship through these functions— was destroyed through disobedience. This leads to our third theme for this episode. Faith is the key to righteousness. Once humanity fell into corruption in the Garden of Eden, we gained an inclination to sin. Over and over again throughout the Bible, we see this inclination to sin turn into actual acts of sin. We saw deceit and murder and violence and many, many other things. And no one in the story so far is immune from this corruption caused by sin. Everyone is sinful, 
And this is the main problem of the Bible. How can sinful humans approach a sinless and holy God? How can we have a close fellowship with our Creator as we consistently sin against Him? Well, we find the answer in Genesis 15, verse 6. In the story of Abraham, we find this statement that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. Somehow, in exchange for Abraham's faith in God, God himself granted his perfect righteousness to Abraham. It turns out that when you're irreparably weak, the best thing you can do is stand behind the strong. Then, the strong will be your strength. This is what Abraham did. He trusted in God, and God gave him righteousness. Another stark example of this is later with King David. Remember, he had egregiously sinned against God and his law through coveting, adultery, and murder. But David eventually pleads to God with these words. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David has a faithful response to his own sin. Upon finally coming to terms with his sin, he asks God to blot it out. He knows that he can't clean himself, and he knows that God is the only one who can make him clean. David's faith isn't in becoming better. His faith is in God, who can make him clean by God's own perfect righteousness. And while we could go on through the Old Testament with example after example, whether it's Abel or Noah or Moses or Daniel or others, we're going to stop here. We can't expand this episode too much, but you get the point. Faith is the key to righteousness throughout the whole Old Testament. The final theme for this episode is this. There is a coming Messiah. We've probably emphasized this point the most, and it's because it's perhaps the most important point of the whole Old Testament. In some ways, you could think about the Old Testament as just containing three elements. The problem of sin, the results of sin, and the promise of God. And this theme of the coming Messiah is the absolute center of that third element, the promise of God. Ever since the cursing of the serpent way back in the Garden of Eden, we've been waiting for this seed, who we first find out will be the seed of Eve, who will crush the head of the serpent. This seed will defeat evil once and for all. Later, this seed gets more definition as the seed of Abraham, who will defeat his enemies and bless all the nations of the world. And as if to put an exclamation point on the promise of this coming one, we learn that he will also be the seed of David, who will rule over the everlasting kingdom on David's throne. Genealogically, we know that this man will be a descendant of Adam and Eve, Abraham and David. Descriptively, we know that he will defeat his enemies, bless the world, and rule over an everlasting kingdom. There is, however, one other quality that we know about this coming one. Somehow, he will be God. He will be called God with us, mighty God and the Prince of Peace. And yet, he will also be the servant of the Lord, who accomplishes righteousness through his own suffering. By the end of the Old Testament, the expectation of this Messiah is brimming. The Messiah who will be sovereign as God is sovereign. The Messiah who will solve the never-ending sacrifices in the temple. 
the Messiah who will make righteousness available to the nations through faith, the Messiah who is coming soon. God is about to do the great reversal of human history. He's going to make a virgin bear a child, the lame walk, the blind see, and the dead live. And that, that's just a taste. Are you ready to meet the Messiah? Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Now, you often hear us ask at the end of these episodes for you to share this show with a friend. And we'd love it if you would. We consider you part of our team to help grow this show so that others can know the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Will you tell a friend today? Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.